1: No, just the way you looked at me was like, you were ready for this podcast. Uh, (laughs) This was... Oh, I forgot to tell you. I won't tell you who it is until after. No, I don't care. I'll tell you publicly into the mic. Uh, Joel uh, said that the podcast was really good last week, and he forgot to tell you, but... Uh, uh, but I was trying to rack my brain, like, what did we talk about that was different than other weeks, but... Who knows? Sometimes, I mean, it probably all boils down to, like, when I get done writing the message, I come up with these discussion questions, and Mm -hmm. I I, I don't spend a lot of time on discussion
0: questions. Are these the same questions that you sent out to the small groups? Oh, yeah. Okay. Dude, you know what I'm picking up right now?
1: I'm picking up the radio frequency into this thing again. Remember last year?
0: Yes, where you heard that song. Yeah, hearing
1: someone talk. We need to figure that out. But we're going to keep going because I ain't stopping this one. Um, Yeah, no, I send these discussion in the Sunday email. And then, um, so small groups talk about them and then I'm, Sometimes we'll modify them for behind the message, but not really. For the most part, I delete a lot because once... Especially, like, we had small group on Sunday, and so I've already discussed these questions with our small group, and I'm like, man, that question is uh, not helpful. So, Gotcha. All right. You ready, Uh, Chris? We're going to start this off. What? (laughs) I know, man. I was... I don't know. I'm just I modified sure. my
0: answer. I'll let you
1: know. <laughs> I'm just trying to find fun <clears throat> questions to kick us off. But what's what's your favorite fall activity? Well, I, I
0: modified it, but I'm going to answer what I originally <laughs> wrote. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you to list some fall activities. You're going to ask me to do that? Yeah. What What do you mean by fall activities? Okay.
1: Um, uh, we'll start it would go in order, you can go um go get the apples. You can go um, you know, <laughs> go pick apples. No. There's one. You could uh, let's see another one. You could um pick pumpkins. You could you could watch scary movies, which again we talk not everyone's in that, which okay. um our kids watched. Um the Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know if that's a... Haven't seen it. Is that a Halloween movie or a Christmas First. movie? You haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Oh boy, never. That was one of Corey's favorites. If that reveals a lot to you about Corey, okay. but
0: um, yeah.
1: What else do I have? Let okay. me see.
0: Well, I can go ahead and answer. Okay,
1: so then, you're going to say none, none of that.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite fall activity, I guess, is my favorite activity of overall of any season. And it's staying at home (laughs) (laughs) in my warm house during the fall. You're such a... I do. I guess. I don't know if this is an activity, but Connor's. This is band competition season. So I have been going to a lot of band competitions.
1: Dude, this is driving me crazy.
0: I'm like hearing people talk the whole time. I might take these headphones off. Yeah, there you go.
1: All right. The headphones are off. I guarantee people are going to hear this. In the podcast, but well, I don't Somebody
0: care. heard the song, right? Yeah. We heard it to, like when you recorded it. Yeah. Or when we
1: played the recording, I heard it then. Yeah.
0: Well, remember someone told
1: me that um, it had happened to them, or it happened to someone when they were in church. Hmm. So while they were listening to the sermon, the wireless mic headset was picking up a local radio station and it was playing it through the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> So, just when you think technology is great, it will fail us. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, you hate the fall. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's a what, what? do you call like a of uh, you know they have the Christmas Grinch, mm-hmm. like a Fall Grinch? We just come in and everyone's having a good time, and you steal their I'm pumpkin not spice latte. Anyone and, having
0: fun during this fall season? I just <laughs> none of the things that you said. Really, we're in, on my list of things to do. Do you all not carve pumpkins? mm Not since the kids were little. Really? Dude, my kids are gone all the time. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Yeah, we actually, we might do it Friday. We haven't carved a pumpkin yet, but um, I really like to, like, get the pumpkin seeds out and roast them.
0: You mm-hmm. ever do that? I'm not up. no, I don't like pumpkin-flavored like, stuff.
1: What? Well, they don't taste like pumpkins. Wow. They're they just taste like a pumpkin
0: seed. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh, we have we have in the past when they were okay. Like we did yeah. carved yeah. pumpkins.
1: No, yes. I love all of it. Um well, I think two things that I really like about fall. Okay. Any pumpkin or apple smelling candle. I'm very much a stereotypical white girl at Christmas. Um <laughs> any of those scented candles I it could be 1000 degrees in July. I would love to have like a homemade apple pie candle in the kitchen. I just love it. Um, I think my mom always burned those candles so maybe there's some sort of weird like childhood trauma thing going on there. Um, I don't think that's trauma no that's not trauma but you know what I mean like you would Sounds just want good memory that's what I meant (laughs) let me the last thing and these are not called this somehow these ended up at our house but these they're like caramel candy apple cookies but they're like Oreos they Mm -hmm. look like the like the white gold like the golden Oreos and then the inside is this caramel apple frosting Mm -hmm. thing it is it's so good it's so good. So if you find those, please buy them. Enjoy your fall. So your favorite
0: fall activities involve smelling candles and eating food. And eating cookies. You got it.
1: Yeah. Those uh, two things are up there. Um, yeah, we did when Derek was in, in town. Um, oh, was Derek here?
0: That's weird. I didn't see him. Yeah, that's,
1: continue. yeah, no kidding. Derek, thanks for coming into town and not seeing anyone around here. He did say at our house, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> but they, on that Friday, uh, that we went up to the Laurel's Pumpkin Barn thing, and I think Derek and I both were like, this, we hate this. Is, I mean, we got to get out of here. It's just like, you know, I mean, it's just a barn full of pumpkins, and you're like, well, that's cool, but get your pumpkin. Let's go. Yeah. Like, I just... Yeah, I wasn't feeling it, to be honest. I had a headache. I just was not feeling the pumpkin barn that day. So, All right, let's get started. Um, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 26. Um, this Sunday, I think we will end chapter 2. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But this Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, the title of the message was Worthless Men. <laughs> yeah, super encouraging. <laughs> Um, I promise this Sunday is not gonna be any better Um, but the question was how were we like worthless men Um, this is really kind of one of
0: those seeker sensitive (laughs) crowd-pleasing so uh, to kick it off Jason you have the first question here what does it mean to be a son of disobedience uh, let me
1: read the passage that that references is Ephesians two one through three. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Um, so and there's more. It, actually, later it calls us. <clears throat> I'll just continue. Verse three it says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Um, I think growing up in church, there's just that, like, a misunderstanding that we're all children of God. um, And it's just not true. We're all made in the image of God. I think that's what people are trying to say. But children of God are people that... um, actually believe in the gospel, that have been saved by Christ. Um, and before that, you weren't a child of God. You might have been made in the image of God, but you were a son of disobedience and not a children, of, a child of God, but a child of wrath. So I didn't just say that. To, I said it because Ephesians said it. Um, so I brought up that question of worthless men because I think oftentimes when you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you will like, You'll you'll always put yourself as the good guy of the story, you know, and mm. it's like, well, you probably are more like the bad guy than you care to realize. Mm. Um, and even the the Old Testament, it's not really written for us to to always feel like we're the good guy or to put our even to put ourselves in everyone's shoes. It's the story of of God's redemptive plan unfolding, and you can see that in these worthless sons. Um, Let's see, what do I have? Worthless sons really means the son of wickedness or the son of Be'elol. I really struggled with saying that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Did I, how did that come across when I said it?
0: No, it was, I, I thought it was pronounced differently. What did you think? Like Belial? Belial?
1: See, I look all this stuff up, so maybe I'm wrong.
0: I, don't, I could be wrong, too. I don't know. No, yeah. I didn't. No, yeah. I thought it was fun you always whenever you pronounce things you always pronounce them differently than I ever have so I, I'm like well maybe I'm wrong <laughs>
1: well, yeah I've always just say it confidently no one yeah, will that's right know the difference but <clears throat> one commentary that I read uh, I didn't include this in the message is that the son of disobedience was also really an indictment on Eli so that they're sons of Eli and that Eli is also a disobedient Right. Which he is, you'll find that can, out yeah. this this coming <laughs> Sunday.
0: What did you find out this Sunday too? Actually,
1: yeah, that's what I mean. This coming Sunday, is that what you mean? No, I meant to. From what we're going to
0: discuss today. Oh, okay.
1: Um, <clears throat> so back to the question. I think it means that we're. It's not that we're just unbelievers that one day believed. The reality is that we were living for the other team and following Satan. Um, the, and that's what Scripture in Ephesians 2 is, prince of the power of the air, once children of wrath. So we understand, I think we have to understand our nature um, before we can understand uh, the cross of Christ, mm-hmm. the magnitude of what Christ has done. And so that was really the heart of of that question and that message, or that part of the message here that... You're not going to really understand how much you need a great high priest, Jesus, until you realize who you really are. Yep. So, point one. Uh, what was the no, question? Not yet. No, I got to... All right. How are we like worthless men? Before we get to point one, Chris, why is it important
0: to know that we are all dead in sin? Because that's the story of the gospel. <laughs> It is. If we are not dead in our sins, then we are in no need of a redeemer. Um, so I, this would be an initial step in leading someone to Christ to, to make them aware that they are sinners, that we are dead in our sins. We are sinners. We all fall short. Uh, we need that intercessor, which is Christ, to take the penalty of death that we deserve. And I have uh, Romans three twenty three here. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Colossians 2, 13. When you were dead in your transgressions, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions.
1: Hmm. That's good. That's good. So yeah. that's really step one of you becoming a Calvinist, right? What are you doing? I know. Someone at church (laughs) told me the other day. I thought it was really funny. Um, They just said it so seriously. They said, it's fine that Arminians believe that um, because when they go to heaven, God will tell them that they are wrong. (laughs) It had me dying. Um. But again, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, just ignore that. If you do know what we're talking about, uh, both sides will be in the kingdom. You heard it here. Uh, If you want to know where I lean, just come, I guess, listen to me preach. But more than anything, just ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Point one. Now we're at point one. Uh, We did not know God. So how are we like worthless men? Well, we did not know God.
0: So what is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? I gave a Martin Lloyd Jones quote Sunday.
1: I'm going to give a J.I. Packer quote today. You ever read any J.I. Packer Mm -hmm. or listen to him? Well, he's, I mean, he's dead, but his old stuff. I mean, it's just so good. So good. Um, So he put, what were we made for, for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. And so um, when I think about that question, and I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just this, but like I don't grow in knowledge of my wife um, because that's what I think I'm supposed to do. Uh, I grow in knowledge of my life, my wife, because I, I love her, and that love drives me to know more about her, and so I really think certainly love is the key component um, of, in root of how we know if we actually know God. Uh, someone mentioned up in our small group, uh, which I should have referenced on Sunday, but. Just like they, even the demons know mm, yeah. God, um, but that doesn't mean that they worship him as Lord. So I have more to say on that, but I want to hear what you have to say on this question. How can we be sure that we really know God?
0: Before I answer that, I just looked at this <laughs> J.I. J. Packer. Yeah. Uh, you know who he was influenced by? John Calvin. John Calvin. Yes. Anyway, wow. all right. So how can we be sure that we really know God? Uh, First, we, as I mentioned before, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners and turning from our sin and giving our lives to Christ and following him, Um, diving into God's word uh, where God reveals himself to us Uh, and not, you're not just doing this once or twice, but this has got to be a daily, a daily thing where you're diving into the word, you're, um, and after that, I would say prayer, definitely, um, and making sure that you are meeting with other believers that you are um, attending hmm. to yeah. get that uh, fellowship with other believers. I mean, <clears throat> certainly, I
1: think it's rooted in when Jesus said, "Like if you know, if you say you know me, if you say you love me, then you'll obey what I I tell you to do." That's a incredibly rough Jason paraphrase uh, of that verse, but those verses, but I think that's rooted in all that you said, like you can't just you can't just say you know God and then not love him. And you can't say you love God without doing what he tells you to do. Um, however, I think the sticky point in all of that is when you know, I reference this on Sunday with Matthew seven, when Jesus says and I, I never knew you, even though you prophesied and you yeah. did all these things. So I think it's a matter of, you know, what's your obedience rooted in? Is it rooted in self-righteousness? Is it rooted in show? Is it rooted um, in insecurity, being a people pleaser? Or is your your obedience to Christ because you love him huh. and if you love him you know him it's kind of all circular if you know him you love him yeah um and i think so at the end of the day it really comes down to what's your heart motivation which hmm. yeah um is between you and the lord it's i mean you look at other people in the church and you're like I'm, i can't judge everyone's motivation but um you know i can know that if people are not being obedient well that's clear that they obviously don't know the lord or love the lord and if they are being obedient, well, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what motivations they're doing that uh, in their heart. Are they doing that because they really love the Lord? Are they doing that because they want people to like them? Yeah. Um, so all that's tough, but I think that's why that Matthew 7 terrifies us all. Yeah. Uh, two, we treated God with contempt. Um, so how are we like worthless men? We treated God with
0: contempt. So we're reading Leviticus three, three through five. How are the sons disgracing the peace offering?
1: People can look that up on the own, their own, but it's just the um, the verse that walks through the, what the peace offering is. So, uh, how they how are they disgracing that? I would say for me, primary, primarily, they're disgracing uh, was the taking of the fat that was meant to be burned for the Lord. It'll also come up this Sunday when Eli is confronted with that. So the Lord is providing food for the priest. Uh, I don't know how clear I made that on Sunday. Um, And the priest needed to not just offer sacrifice but I would say the people were tithing the fat in a sense. Uh, Like the Lord gets the first and the best and you see that pattern throughout the Old Testament. Uh, But what we see here is two sons Eli's sons that ignore God's word and then they attempt to rob God. Uh, So, if I can press there, if we keep our own gifts and we keep our own money or the money to ourselves, yeah, I think it's fair to say you're likewise robbing God. And I'm not even mentioning 10% or any of that. I'm just saying, like, if you have, like, if the Lord's given you gifts and you have the ability to use them, and you're not if you have if God has blessed you like you got a job and you're making income and you're keeping all of that for yourself I yeah I do think the evidence is clear you're just as guilty as the two sons that are taking that fat before it's burned up toward right. for the Lord you're taking that for yourself so I think that's really the disgrace of the peace offering in many ways um, among, you know, yeah. the fact that they were threatening the worshipers. <laughs> I just thought it was crazy. Like studying that, like you the these the worshipers are the ones that are trying to be righteous and follow the word. And they're like, this isn't right. And they're like, well, we'll just punch you in the face yeah. and take you, take the, the stuff ourselves. Um, so, uh-huh. man, what am I, I, I didn't want to just make make everything like the church today because i don't think everything in the old testament is like the church today but i mean what a parallel of an indictment on the american church when you have faithful worshipers that are following the word when the leaders of the church aren't mm-hmm. uh, and i'm not saying that about eastern Room park i think we're And maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a leader here. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I think we got faithful leaders. I just think, as a church as a whole, like, you know, how many leaders are just, I don't know. So, well, -hmm. let's continue. Uh, Chris, can you be, that just feels like a hard left turn here, but can you be a Christ follower and not read the word? Sometimes I have to explain myself with these questions. The contempt thing was that you you're despising the word, you're ignoring the word. So that's but that's where not this how question... I answered it. Okay, well, you... but that's
0: fine. All right, you go. But I I said yes, you can. But let me explain because I mean, like, you have the apostles who followed Jesus. They didn't have a Bible. Yeah. They but they were with Christ. I mean, they were following. Uh, I mean, but even up to a certain point in history, Bibles weren't readily available. For people and I would I would still argue that there was Christians people around that time yeah but but then on the flip side I answered it as today fast forward to today yeah uh, I think it would be difficult to follow Christ without being in being in the word yeah. um, and I would encourage everyone to read read the word to, to, to more than read it to know it to memorize it to pray over it uh, all this is going to do is equip you uh, A, you're going to get closer to God. You're going to know him. You're going to know his will. You're going to know his character. You, if you, you memorize it, when you encounter false teachers, things of this nature that seem to pop up every day now, you're going to be able to, um, uh, to avoid that, to avoid following them and, right. and have, have your, um, uh, I can't, my words just went through me, um, Escape me to have your grounding to know where you stand on on these issues, Uh, but yeah,
1: yeah. I I guess I really wanted to uh, bring that up in the podcast. I've been thinking about the the past two weeks because, of course, there's exceptions, there's exceptions in church history, there's exceptions today, whether it's persecuted believers that don't have access to the word, um, maybe just believers that. They just don't have access they're not being persecuted they just don't have access to the word you got people in America maybe they can't read Um, maybe they don't have even I don't mean this in any hateful way But maybe they don't have the mental capacity to read anything especially something like uh, the Bible Um, or I'm sure yeah there's maybe people that are in so much poverty even in America they don't have access Mm To a Bible or even to listen to the word. However, for the majority, especially yes. in America, if you have access to the word, let's just say Carter County, for most of Carter County, you all have access to the word and you're going to ignore that, I think is proof to me, more, the, the more I grow in Christ is proof that you're probably not a Christian.
0: I, that's, yeah, To flip the question, a, a better question would be if you're a follower of Christ, why are you not in the Word? What would because be your excuse? Because you're not a Christian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have
1: this Holy Spirit. But, uh, yeah, it, it would be like, all right, well, and I broke this down with our small group. Like, how do you know the Lord? Is it through some emotional worship experience? Is it walking out in nature? Like, I'm really sick of hearing these. Now, you may not. Being tuned with it, but I hear some of these like newer country songs. Maybe even Morgan Wallen's got one, which he's, I mean, dude's catchy. I mean, I give it to him. You don't think he's catchy? I don't
0: listen to country music. All
1: right. Well, let's just say you have some of these new songs that are like, Yeah, I'm not a great Christian, but I found Jesus on my John boat. And you're like, Dude, what? You didn't find my G, Je- like, you didn't find Jesus of, 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 of I don't know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus, you Mm -hmm. found your little fishing version of Jesus on your John boat. The Jesus that we worship is the Jesus of the Bible. And that that commands a lot. Not just, it doesn't command a lot of you. It commands all of you. (laughs) So um, there's some serious ramifications of that. And to know that, like, well, how do we really know the Lord? Well, through his written word. And if you all have access to that, and you're saying, I don't read it. Well, then you're you're just proving logically for me, you don't care to know the Lord. And if you don't care to know the Lord, you're not a Christian. Like, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not putting a time frame on that to say, you got to read the Bible every year. Or you got to read so much every day. Or you got to do, I don't know you know devotionals but I just I don't know I guess the more I grow a ministry in my own personal life I'm just if you have no desire I, I think you really need to question yourself like if you yeah. haven't read the word in the past year let me put it like that yeah. if you're a Christian and say I don't I, I haven't really read much of the Bible in the past year I would really you should really stop and say you may not be a Christian man yeah. like if that desire isn't there good chance you're not a Christian and you need to just find something else to do or (laughs) repent and give your life to the Lord.
0: So I don't know. What do you think? I had a question, but I don't know if I want to, I'm not going to go for it. Okay. What if they weren't in the word, but they were actually out doing things for Christ?
1: Isn't that exactly what Matthew seven is about? Like, is it? I mean, Matthew, I mean, they're out prophesying. They're out. Okay. They're doing these miraculous things in the name of Jesus, and they don't know Jesus. So I think I would. I think that's still an indictment. Okay. That okay. you don't even know the word. Um, and I would press and say, you're out doing things for Jesus. How do you even know what Jesus wants when you're not even in the word? Like, how do you know? That's so that, Okay. That's That's, that's kind of where valid. I'm at with that. Of course, I there's a, a, a people would be like, well, what about this and what about this and what about yeah. this? I get it. I'm sure there's many examples like that.
0: I just I I wasn't justifying. It was just a question that popped in my head. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean because and I I I guess that bothers me in the sense that like people, especially in the day, they're like, well, yeah, but you you know, I serve at the homeless ministry every night. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean you know the Lord. That's true. That's true. Like that doesn't. That's a good point. You're like, well, I'm out there handing bottles of water at the Pride Parade. I don't know. People do that, I guess, churches. And I, I personally I don't even know if there's anything wrong with that hmm. if with the right mindset, but doesn't mean you know the Lord. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I'll grow in that, but that's where I'm at right now. And uh, whatever. All right, three. Let's go to, th- is it three already? It's three already. All right, here we go. <laughs> these are heavy points. Yeah, I will tell you, Chris. I got near the end of the point 3 and um this doesn't always happen like I'm not saying it was anything like the Lord spoke to me. I just felt like a certainly a uh, certainly a spirit-led hmm. like don't hit the brakes. It hmm. was kind of like that. Like don't don't try to be cute with your conclusion. Right. Don't you know, don't try to make everyone feel great here. Just keep on the gas and then finish it. So nice. Nice. we'll see. But there's a time and place for everything. So if let's go to point three. How are we like worthless men? We greatly sinned against God. So Jason,
0: Uh-oh. do you think Eli was too passive with his sons.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm still working through this Sunday's message, so I'm going to be careful answering this because I don't want to give away what I have not fully prepared for Sunday. Um, I would say yes. Um, I'm not sure where I land on this one just yet. At times I feel like it it appears that Eli... uh, wasn't as wicked as his boys. Like, there's times where he feels like he... There's evidence where he's trying to do the right thing. Um, And I guess you can make the case, like, he's the most wicked because he let it all go. But there's just evidence along the way that, you are like, at times he seems like he's trying to get his thing together and other times he doesn't. But I would say, yes, 100%. At least he's passive in his leadership (laughs) Um, and as we'll find out Sunday, it will be the demise of his house and Israel for a little while. So, um, yeah, he's passive. And if I can make any future and comment that may, I don't know, maybe I'll make it Sunday, but if you want to be passive in your leadership now, um, it might, make things fine now but you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt and i know you've seen that here at east river park there could have been times where we've been passive Um i think we've been gracious but we weren't passive gracious and passive can i guess in church world be too i don't know be too closely mixed together yeah. or confused mm-hmm. Grace is like, we're going to deal with this. Someone's going to deal with this. But we want to give time, healthy time to deal with it. Passive is, I see that as a problem and I'm just going to hope it goes away. And I think we've seen even as elders here at the church, like we haven't been passive at times. And it would have been much easier in the moment to ignore it. But when we dealt with it, we saw healthy fruit later. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how much of that comes out on Sunday's message. But so for you, same thing. Like, why do wicked sons ignore old passive dads? I do you, are you going to mention the scripture there with that? I am not. So all it is like Eli confronts his boys on the rumor of their actions. And there's like rumors going around Israel about what his sons have been doing and the text says like they just didn't listen to their father's words mm.
0: so that's what it is that's yeah that's i didn't reference the scripture but yeah they ignore because they know that there will be no discipline um and in in, the, in this case Eli he was disappointed with his children but he he never backed it up with any discipline um so they can do what they want without any resistance
1: Well, I'm just gonna say I agree because I don't want to share it too much okay. uh, already. Well, this but, is, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's all still. I mean, it's not like where <laughs> people can read it. <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah,
0: this is the case so far in the story. How about
1: that? Yeah, I, I, I guess it, and I, I just wanted it to be clear. I, maybe I didn't speak about it enough on Sunday because I didn't want to rabbit trail too much. But dads with their kids now. Now, you can have some abusive, emotionally, physically crazy dads mm. that try, think they're not being passive, but really just, just acting like psychos in their family, and they should probably go to like anger counseling or something. But for the most part, what I've seen, especially in the church world, like dads tend to be far too passive in raising their families. Um, and they think whether it's laziness i think a lot of times dads feel they don't feel equipped to do it or um, they just don't want like you know what i i think a lot of it is laziness to be honest i mean the times that where i've lacked discipline with my own children it's because you know that when you do it it's going to ruin a lot it's going to mm-hmm. ruin your night you're going to have i mean it's just going to it's not be it's not going to be fun and no. But the hard work of parenting is not to be passive so if you let your kids like do whatever they want don't be surprised when you hate your kids when they get older like, um and uh, let me just rabbit trail cuz it's the podcast but
0: <laughs> it is my parents
1: message. parents have parents have a little window parenting changes uh, yeah. As as you know, you've seen you've been through almost all the stages at this yeah. point, other than very grown up kids out of the house. But you're getting close. Yeah. Um, parenting stages change. I've seen I've seen this so far in my own parenting. I've seen it in student ministry. I've seen it read it in books, all of that. You have a parents have a very small window where they need to be very black and white with their kid, and Lay down the law, keep things accountable, and there's no discussion on things. It's like, this is what we do, this is who we are, Mm -hmm. and if you want to cross that line, here's what's going to happen every single time. And if you are passive in that stage, the next stage is going to be so much more difficult. So what happens is like parents, when kids hit preteen, teenager, you can't be that kind of parent anymore you Mm. become a mentor and i've seen parents that want to go back and be like they want to be the the like three-year-old to 10-year-old stage with their (laughs) the good old days 13 to 18 19 20 year old and it doesn't Doesn't work. work now i that doesn't mean you don't have clear boundaries you know This is what we're about. You don't cross this line. You know, all of that still exists, but you're, you just have a very small window with your little kids to not be such a passive parent, Mm -hmm. father, mother. And then that will bleed over when they get older because then when you mentor them, uh, you've already set that precedent of who we are, what we stand for. And um, again, I would urge parents of teenagers and others don't be passive either but you're gonna have to let your kid um, fail at times yeah. and i think what we've seen in this story specifically um eli's sons are not out in a faraway country ruining okay. their life they're in the house yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem and that's where i think i'll leave it for this sunday because yeah. their house is mentioned like a thousand times coming up, not really, but they're in the house. So you let your kids do whatever they want in the house, uh, then you're gonna pay for it as a father mm-hmm. or a mother. So, anyways, everyone's like, we know Jason's kids; they're <laughs> trained right. But I guess I just try to say, like, don't being a passive mom, being a, an a, a good father and mother it doesn't mean that your kids are not going to act like right. insane individuals at times it just means that yes. when it does happen you do something about it yeah. and being passive is you just let that happen so if my kids wiling out at a restaurant i don't be like oh he's, he's just <laughs> trying to figure out life you know we let you know we just give them your phone give them hey Give them a phone. Let them Turn on Netflix. Maybe it'll calm down. Like, if my kid wants to while out at a restaurant, he's either going to figure it out in there or I'm pulling him out of the restaurant. And it would be much because it's going to ruin my meal. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to let them right. do that. And a right. passive parent lets them do that. I'm with you, brother. Oh, boy. We should just do a parenting podcast.
0: <laughs> Where are we at? We are at the last question of point right. three. Do we
1: we? take? Do we, Do you think we take our sins serious enough?
0: No. Me neither. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> got anything else to say on that one? I, this is the one I said that I didn't really answer. I I, I don't know what more you can say. I mean...
1: Well, you know, I've always got more to say. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. But I mean, it's... No, do we walk around and act like we have the death penalty because of our sin. No, no, we don't. Yep. Um, so no, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't go too far off on that one. Sorry.
1: No, I, I, I blamed the church as a whole for this mindset. Um, I think a lot of us, if you grew up in church, um, if you didn't, maybe it's just your church now, but we either grew up in a legalistic religious system mm-hmm. and sin, you know, just thinking about sin, the way it was talked about, it caused uh, us to fear everything, and I would say to eventually hate ourselves. When you grow up in a, in a very legalistic religious system, uh, you don't just hate your sin. I think you, you're like, I, I don't like me, and that's a very unhealthy mm-hmm. place to be this whole message is was not designed for everyone to like hate themselves. It's to see themselves for who they really are yeah. because that's where, I mean, the most healthy people in your life will always be the most self-aware people. Um, and so it's not that you should hate yourself, but I think some of the, some of those religious systems we grew up in breeds that yeah. likewise, we might've either grown up in a, Seeker sensitive religious system where it causes us to never consider sin or God's holiness. Like the only thing that was taught at church is just psychological warfare, but not spiritual warfare. So um, I think I did mention in our small group, I think repentance is probably the greatest mark of someone serious about their sin. Mm-hmm. It's true repentance, it doesn't mean that they're not going to do it again. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, they don't repent. I mean, people would be like, well, how do they know if your repentance is genuine, if they're going to do it again? I'm like, they're not, because when you repent, you're probably going to do it again, too. <laughs> like, it's it's just genuine repentance before the Lord of your own sin. And I think we, we tend to despise everyone else's sin. Mm-hmm and yeah. we really want to re- we want to like repent of other people's sin. So I think yeah. you really want to me if if you're like, "Well, am I taking my sin seriously enough?" I would say, "What is your sin? List them. What do you struggle with every day? What do you struggle with during the week? What's your weak spots? And are you repenting of those when those pop up, when they glare, when they become maybe invasive in your life? And if you can't think of those, you're Absolutely not taking your sin seriously enough. The only thing you see is like, well, the world just, it's just falling apart, you know? And, (laughs) you know, I can't believe this person and, you know, the community did this and just a bunch of wicked politicians. And I'm like, look, I get it. But what's your sin? What are you repenting of? So we're not called to take everyone else's sin seriously. We're called to take our own sin seriously. So,
0: I just thought of something sitting here while you were talking. But you mentioned, I, I'm not, I'm going to get it wrong. I don't know if you'll remember. It. You mentioned it during the sermon, um, where we don't take how great our sin is, and we also don't realize how great God is. Yep. What, do you remember what you said? What your I,
1: yeah, I, I that we don't. We don't really consider God's holiness. Yeah. When we think of holiness, we think of God as super, super perfect. Yeah. And if we can, our sin just makes it, it keeps us from being perfect. But the definite, like holiness is not just being perfect. Although God is perfect, the idea of holiness is consecration. It's separation. Yep. So it's not just that you are... Unlike God in your sin, you're separated from Him because He's holy and you are not. So the seriousness of your sin doesn't mean that you're like, um. I guess the best way I can explain it off the top of my head: it's not like Jesus is holy and you're you're like you're like both running a race, and Jesus (laughs) is holy and He's down the road and you just are behind. It's like, no, you're not, he's not even in that race. Like he's (laughs) on the right hand of the father. Like he's already victorious and holy and separated. God is separated from us. You're not running the same race. So when you understand, and that's what the greatness of, that's what your sin causes. So when you get to that point, then you can say like, "Uh uh-oh, like I can't, there's nothing I can do. I can't run harder I can't try more I can't read more of the Bible I can't fix any of this because we're not even on the same like level here
0: not even the same game they're not even the same (laughs)
1: game so that's why when you understand God's holiness you realize like oh now I need I realize why I need God to make me holy through Jesus so that's why like you were once children of wrath what that means is God was going to pour out His wrath on you, mm-hmm. because you weren't holy. Jesus steps in. God pours His wrath out on Jesus rather than you, and then you get Jesus's holiness and righteousness, yep. or He will present you holy one day. That's what really what Scripture would say. Um, so I just don't honestly like growing up in church. Maybe. It, the Southern Baptist Church failed me like I just didn't I knew about the gospel and forgiveness and what right. Jesus did the actions I just didn't understand the weight of that until I started to hear more about God's holiness
0: yeah so no that was good thank you For Remembering yeah. what I couldn't
1: <laughs> it's the joy of manuscripting everything you can recall it summary point the great high priest intercedes for us before god so do you have the scripture reference that's a lot
0: i didn't i read it before i answered okay, the question let's just tell people i kind of mentioned what it talks okay, about the
1: context life. full context you can read hebrews 7 11 through 28. chris how is jesus our great high priest
0: so i'm going to start out with some scripture i have hebrews nine twelve. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. And also mentioned uh, Hebrews four fourteen. Um, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So, When Jesus is called our high priest or the great high priest, it's in reference, and this is mentioned in that scripture that Jason mentioned in the question, it's in reference to uh, Melchizedek and uh, the Levitical priests. So like Melchizedek, Jesus is ordained as a priest apart from the law that was given on Mount Sinai. And also like the Levitical priest, Jesus offered a sacrifice to satisfy the law of God. Uh, Jesus did this when he offered uh, himself for our sins, but unlike the Levitical priests who had to continually give sacrifices, Jesus only had to do that, um, offer his sacrifice once, uh, gaining eternal redemption for all who come to God through him.
1: (laughs) It was great. And, you know, even when I was thinking about this, this whole message and, and that conclusion it it was just like there's so much to unpack in all of that that yeah. i think hopefully people get the gist of it on sunday but really in many ways you just have to study the bible a lot and the more that you do it's like the more profound it all is especially when you consider like king mel that or that melchizedek, melchizedek was before the melchizedek probably was god in the flesh yeah. Um, second person, the Trinity, in the Old Testament, which is also why, if I, if anyone was ever gonna, I don't know if I mentioned this, if anyone was ever gonna change my mind about giving, ten percent uh, <laughs> of giving is is the a, a, the first thing of of giving is Abraham giving a tithe to yeah. to Melchizedek, uh, who was. Probably the second person of the Trinity. Oh. Um, I used to say in our last church, he'll never listen to this, but Bob, uh, the pastor in our last church, I used to be like, oh, it's Jesus in the Old Testament. And he's like, it's not Jesus. Jesus wasn't born oh, yeah. yet. I'm like, well, who You know, who was it? He was like, it's the second person of the Trinity. I'm like, that's Jesus. He said, no, Jesus. I'm like, Bob. I said, well, just leave me alone, yeah, Bob. Um,
0: ever <laughs> since I heard about Melchizedek, it's a very interesting character in the bible yeah go read about it yourself it's good it's good all right so jason how does the story of eli's sons encourage you in light of the gospel uh i guess simply for
1: me in conclusion i think i just relate so well to that i think it's helpful for us as already i've already mentioned as you read through the old testament um empathize more with people that are blowing up their life um And it gives you more an appreciation of the gospel. But it reminded me, reading through that, um, like when I first read it to prep for this past Sunday and I read Eli's question, questioning to his boys, he's like, who's going to intercede? And I'm like, I know. I know. (laughs) And I'm like, it's just too good. I'm like, even in your darkest sin, the hope is you haven't gone too far um like Christ can intercede before you and not only that he he finishes the job so he presents you holy and blameless before uh, the Lord so it's encouraging me and hopefully i i think hopefully that kind of hit at the end of the message that yeah as as much as we might relate to the worthless sons of Eli um there is real hope for all of us. Um, so. All right. Uh, let's do the last question. That's the end. Here's our last question. I am curious here. We've kind of answered similar questions on media and different things, but yeah, here's a question. Um,
0: Did you come up with this question? Because you didn't respond to a text I sent you the other day. And then oh, I saw this I question. Will,
1: I definitely want. Well, let me tell you. All okay. right. So. Me and Chris and Corey, last year, right? Yeah. We went to Knoxville to see Nate Bargetze, um play. Or not play, but do a stand-up. Seven. And he's a stand-up uh, comedian. Uh-huh. I obnoxiously uh, recommend him to everyone yeah. I meet, Nate Bargetse. He's great. He works clean. Uh-huh. Um, there's very little. You have to go to his older stuff to hear him say like a cuss word or yeah. maybe referencing being drunk. But all of his newer stuff is all like you can, I can listen to it with yeah. six year old Judah in the house watching. So, um, Nate Bargetti is great. So he's coming to Johnson city next April. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were texting about getting tickets. I just haven't, Got them yet. I'll tell you why here in a minute okay. when we're done. Um, so Ephesians 5 through 4, I was just thinking about Nate Bargetti and I was like, well, what about just stand-up comedians as a whole? So Ephesians 5, 4 says, Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So in light of that verse, can Christians enjoy stand-up comedy that so often crosses that line
0: (laughs) that's a tough one yes but this has to be done as all things and I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this before in other media things you've got to view this through the filter of scripture so I think that would greatly narrow down the list of comedians that you would watch or follow um, I think there are a number of Christian comedians and clean comedic films that we can enjoy um, I don't we don't yeah. uh, it's okay for Christians like to fire, laugh and, fireproof <laughs> <forever>. <laughs> war, room. war room God's no. not dead in eight no I think it's okay <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't you're not going to be watching the old Chris Rock routine so
1: you would say, for the most part, it's not healthy for Christians to watch Chris Rock stand up.
0: Probably, probably not.
1: Yep. It's curious. Uh, this is a tough one for me. I, it I is. mean, I-, I, love comedy. I love stand-up comedy. Um, I know um, Jerry Seinfeld mentioned like is the two people he respects the most are comedians and preachers um because they have to get up every week and do their thing now for him he just thinks we're you know putting on a show every week but i get it there's still like a a a preparedness that you need to have when you get up in front of people um so in that sense i i get it but i i guess i'll i'll say twofold um for the most part, I really just like stand up comedy that works clean. Um, because I not because I'm like offended. I'm not offended when people are like say a terrible joke and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe they'd say that. Like, why would they say that? I'm like, Because they don't love Jesus. Yeah. Like they don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like, are you kidding me? Like I can tell you exactly why they're right. saying insane stuff into a mic to get people to laugh. Like, so don't get offended for one. Um, but so I don't really get offended by that I I really like more clean comedy um, and it doesn't have to be Christian comedy I like more clean comedy because it forces a comedian to be more creative Mm -hmm. and I said that for a long time until I heard Nate Bargetti talk about it and he had mentioned that he doesn't cuss because well one he just doesn't but it does force him to think and be more creative in his word choices yeah than just say the f word or what whatnot, um, so I do think it it does cause and force you to uh, to produce better comedy. I will say if there's things that like maybe other people are like that's inappropriate. Um, sometimes I'll listen to certain stand up not because I like the crudeness that maybe mentioned in Ephesians four. I don't even think that's what's funny. It's the the way that they would deliver something that their comedic timing the way yeah. that pres- the way they tell a story it's not that i don't like enjoy the entertainment of crude joking so I, but again i would say i like even i would have to be careful i mean there's been truth be told like there's been plenty of like netflix always puts out stand up yeah s- stuff and there's been times where I've watched stuff and maybe I shouldn't have, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. And there's been other times where I've watched it and I'm like, ah, this is just too... this. It's just too crude. Like, this isn't yeah. he- healthy for me to sit here and watch this. And I've turned it off. So, um, I think it's just being careful with that. But uh, there is good comedy out there. Yeah. Um, so, please, uh, Nate Bargatze, if you're here listening to this... <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it's if if someone text. does want clean, if they if that's their thing, he's he's from Tennessee. Yep. It's clean. He works clean. It's, it's good stuff. Boy. Um, it it's just it's funny. So let's pray. We're done. All
0: right. All right.
1: I right, I'll pray, God. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for Chris and his willingness to um be here on Wednesday and record. And we're thankful for your word that. Is so faithful and consistent when our lives uh, lack that so often, and so I pray that that we would be encouraged by the story of of Eli and his sons. Encouraged that um, there is someone that can intercede for us before you, uh, God. That that Christ has become our great high priest, and so God help us to hold on to that truth and be encouraged by that truth. And uh, we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone, read your Bibles.